Welcome to the Thought Boss Podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm here to show you that all the help you need is already inside of you and that you're far more powerful than you give yourself credit for. I'm glad you're here. Now let's turn you into a Thought Boss. Episode four, dealing with difficult people. Okay, this week is going to be really good. We are talking about those really tough people in our lives, the ones that we can't quite get rid of, but we kind of love and we kind of hate, and we're just trying to figure out how to deal with them. Okay, so think of your most difficult relationship. Maybe it's the one with your son or your boss or your father or your sister-in-law. What makes that relationship difficult? You'd probably say something like, my son is defiant. He does not listen to me and he's so disrespectful. He's so difficult. Or my boss is crazy. She has unrealistic expectations and she never appreciates anything that I do. Maybe it's your relationship with your spouse. Maybe you feel like no matter what you do, you're just never good enough. You are constantly running around trying to please them or trying to make everything just right. Do you know what really makes a relationship difficult? You're not going to like this, but you're also really going to like it because it puts all the power back in your hands. The only thing that makes a relationship difficult is just your thoughts about the other person and about yourself. It's just your thoughts. Now, I totally get that you don't believe this yet. You're saying something like, yeah, but you haven't met my father-in-law. You have not met my boss. Like, they're legitimately crazy. We'll see. Okay, so there are three types of people in our lives. There are the strangers. These are people who we have minimal contact with, um, minimal interactions. The people that are all around you, like in public, when you're out shopping or at the library, you're taking a walk or you're attending some sort of an event. Um, we also have acquaintances, and these are basically strangers, but they're people that we have recurring interactions with. So people like our mailman or our yoga instructor or even our child's teacher or some, some of your coworkers. And then there's the people who are really a part of our lives. They could be your friends, your family, your work partner, your bosses, our own children, mentors, or clergy. And we spend most of our time with these people, usually several hours a day with one or more of these people. They greatly influence our thoughts and beliefs about the world and about ourselves. These are the people who we're going to be talking about today because they're the ones that for the most part are fairly permanent in our lives. You can get a new yoga instructor if you're uncomfortable with your current one just by taking a new class, right? But you can't get rid of your kids or your boss, at least not without a big ordeal or a life-changing circumstance, right? So if you're thinking of that difficult person right now, you may be thinking, yeah, I would totally get rid of them if I could. But you know what? You're lying. The reason you have them in your life is because you want them in your life to some degree. You know that if it were absolutely necessary and they were continually crossing boundaries in an unhealthy, unsolvable way, you could get them out of your life for good. But you haven't yet. Why not? Usually we put ourselves in a difficult spot 
because we're stuck in between wanting to get rid of a person and never have any interactions with them ever again and the desire we have to have them in our lives for one reason or another. And it may be your boss who you have a really hard time dealing with, but you still want to have them as your boss because you want to be at this company and it's going to get you where you want your career to go. Or it could be a parent or a sibling and you're stuck in this spot where you feel uncomfortable when you're around them, but you haven't removed them from your life because you feel this obligation to be there. Or you staying is a part of your definition of being a good daughter or sister or friend, but you still don't know how to handle that discomfort of being around them. That's the part we're going to talk about today. So think of your most difficult relationship or any of your difficult relationships, and we're just going to go with a common one, your your sibling, okay? We're going to say your brother or your sister. You want them in your life because you want to be a healthy family that talks to each other. That's just your idea of what they do. So you want this, let's say you want this brother or sister in your life, and you have a hope that someday things are going to be good. You have this idea of the kind of person you want to be which includes showing up for your family. But every time you're around them, you're uncomfortable. So let's stop there and look at what's going on in your brain when you're in the same room as your sister, your difficult sister. If every feeling is created by a thought, which it is, then we have to go back and trace the feeling you're feeling to a sentence in your brain. Is it some form of a judgmental thought? Is it a fearful thought or a worrisome one? Maybe it's a memory you have of them when they were rude or argumentative or cold or unloving. Whatever it is that you're feeling, it can be traced back to the thoughts that you're having. Now, most of us just sit in that discomfort because we believe that the way to solve it is for the other person to change. And that's a really tough place to be in because now you've given away any power you had over the situation to the other person. Your thought is, this is how they are and it's terrible. And if they did X, Y, and Z, if they would just change this or that, things would be so much better. But guess what? I have got great news for you. And you're not going to believe me and that's okay, but I'm going to tell you anyway. You can stop feeling crummy around them right now. Right this very minute. Did you know that? Let's take your power back. So first, we've got to look at what they're doing. Let's say that every time your sister comes over, she's really judgmental. Everything she says is just oozing with judgment. And you hate it because you have your own judgments about her and her life. And you just want to be accepted and loved, right? It's a funny thing. When we don't feel loved and accepted, that's exactly how we end up showing up for other people. So sister comes over and she says something like, Hey, I thought you were going to get a new rug in this room. Immediately, your brain starts going crazy. You start thinking things like, how dare her? Doesn't she know we had hospital bills to take care of? Like, who has all this money to buy a new rug? What's wrong with this rug? I'm just going to keep this rug to make her mad. I can do whatever I want with my house. Why does she have to find everything that's wrong with me or with my house? Now, whatever your thoughts are, they all stem around one thing. And you may think you're feeling totally justified in those thoughts, but let's rewind. The reason you're feeling terrible when she says this is because of the thought that you had about what she said. And the underlying thought is, I don't want to be judged. She shouldn't be judging me. You see, we have 
these big, thick manuals in our minds, these giant books. The manual is a concept I learned from Brooke Castillo. And if you've ever bought anything new, you know that even for little things like a toaster, you can get a manual that's like 20 pages long with it. And for something as big as like a car or something, it can be hundreds of pages long. And it tells you exactly what the car does and should do and how to use it and what all the parts do. Well, humans are far more complicated than an automobile or a new vacuum. And we don't realize it, but we've taken all the information we've ever received and we've written a manual for every relationship that we have. The manual tells us a good sister does exactly these things and never these things. They're supportive and loving, and they should be there for you and give you advice, but never judge you. They should be beautiful and fun and send you beautiful birthday gifts every year because they're supposed to be the most fulfilling relationship you have. All the messages our brains have ever received from anybody in the role of a sister, all that has been compiled into this gigantic book in your filing cabinets in your brain, and it turns it into a user's manual for the people who fill those relationship spots in our lives. Now listen, your brain is just doing its job. This is totally normal. You're learning and collecting information and you're trying to apply it to what you see around you. It's how you make sense of things. Now, unfortunately, those manuals set us up for failure because what we didn't write in our manual is that people are not machines and that they're all different. Every sister is different and every boss is different and there's no one size fits all. So just so you know, it's totally okay. But be aware that you've got an instruction booklet written for your difficult sister and it's a big thick manual called How to Be a Good Sister. And you've written it and you've never given it to her and please don't try to but you're expecting her to know and do all those things exactly perfectly. And here's the proof. If a stranger came into your house for whatever reason and they said words about your rug, would you be upset? Maybe. Maybe you would feel differently though than you would about your sister saying those words. Now what if an interior designer came into your house and this designer is trying to help you stage your house so that it can sell? And she says, I thought you were gonna get a new rug for this room. Are you going to get upset with her or are you going to say something like, oh yeah, it's in the mail or thanks for reminding me or I will totally get that rug that you suggested or what do you think is wrong with this rug? But you're going to respond in a different way than you would respond to your sister because of your thoughts. Do you see how you react different to the same words because they're said by different people? You have this unwritten expectation that your sister, because she's your sister, should have just love about you and your home and everything. Your thoughts about what she should be doing and saying versus what she is doing and and that gap is what is causing you anguish or frustration or hurt. So where do we go from here? First, we kick out the manual. We drop our expectations of the other people who are a big part of our lives and we write a new sentence. The only thing your sister is supposed to do is to be herself. And your job is to love her exactly as she is. What if she never changes? What if she never stops making comments on your rug or your drapes or your children? Do you want to be angry or distanced or uncomfortable forever? Probably not. The only thing that you have control over, the only thing that is changeable 
is you. But we're not going to start with what you're doing. We have to start with what you're thinking. So first, your thoughts about yourself. Your sister is saying something about your rug and it's triggering thoughts about yourself. These are insecurities and beliefs that you've held about yourself for a long time probably. Usually something like, I'm not good enough at being a mom or a wife or a housekeeper or a home designer or an organizer. I'm not good enough at something. And when these thoughts come up, you've got work to do. You are only feeling judged because you are judging yourself. There's no way to know why your sister is saying these things. And you can't prove that she's saying them to be judgmental because you aren't inside of her head. But even if you were, and even if she really was intending to be judgmental, it's still not about you. So sister says, I thought you were getting a new rug. And if you don't make it mean something about you, then you're okay with her saying that, right? You jump straight to being totally fine with it. You move on. If you were totally confident in your ability to take care of your house or to buy rugs that are not ugly, would you feel judged by her? Probably not. But your sister is offering you a thought and you're choosing to believe it. But remember how our thoughts are optional. You don't have to make that thought mean anything. You could pretend that it didn't mean anything at all or that she didn't even say it. Or you can just go to that place of confidence in your thoughts. Your confidence is going to come from thoughts about yourself. Like, I've totally got this rug situation covered. It is really not a problem. Or I really like my rug and it's okay if other people don't. Or maybe she's right that I need a new rug. Maybe a new rug would look better in here. And I'm going to, maybe next time I'm at Home Goods, I'll look at the rugs. But it doesn't have to come from a place of fear of not being good enough. Just, oh, that's a good point. So the point here is that you don't have to make up this elaborate, dramatic story about your sister and what she thinks and what it means about you. You can just take what she said as words coming from somebody's mouth and you can move on from there. Now, it's important to mention boundaries a little bit here, and I'll do an episode on boundaries, but for now, we're going to do just a quick little overview. So you've got rules for your house and your body that if those rules are broken, there are consequences. This is what a boundary is. Now, a lot of times boundaries don't need to be expressed because they're just part of our culture or our human expectations. They're, they're kind of normal. Most people have physical boundaries around how people are allowed to interact with them. We don't allow others to hit or to push us and we have personal space. And those may be different depending on your country or your culture. But if you live in America, usually there's this general idea about how much space is appropriate between two people. And that doesn't, that shouldn't be invaded, right? So we have rules about our property. Like you ask before you touch or you use something. You don't destroy or damage things that don't belong to you. So let's just say sister comes into your house and she makes a comment about your rug and then proceeds to move your furniture around and roll up your rug so she can bring it out to the dumpster. This is likely a clear boundary violation and you need to enforce the consequence. You say something like, I don't know what, you're think you're, what you think you're doing, but you're not allowed to come into my house and move furniture and take my rug. This is my stuff, you're not allowed to do that. And if you don't stop, you'll be asked to leave. 
Now, if we have a family member or someone in our lives that is consistently violating boundaries and we are not enforcing them or we haven't said anything, they're going to keep violating those boundaries. It's not their fault that you're not enforcing the boundaries. It may be wrong what they're doing, but you're the one who needs to speak up and say, this is not okay and this is the consequence. I leave or you leave or something changes, right? Like we call the police. So you say something like, I don't, I don't know what you're doing, but you're not allowed to do this. And if you keep doing this, you're going to have to leave. So it's never too late to pause things in any relationship and say, you know, I'm really uncomfortable with this. And if you don't stop, I'm going to ask you to leave or I'm going to leave. So we'll go more in depth on boundaries, but just know that you can have rules about yourself and your things and your body and speak up about them if those lines are being crossed. We can't really change what other people do, but that doesn't make whatever they do totally acceptable in our space or our homes or our bodies. And we can react in the way that we feel is appropriate. So when we're dealing with difficult people, it's important to know that the only reason you want them to behave differently is because you think it will make you feel a certain way. But our feelings never come from our circumstances. They come from our thoughts. So circumstances, which includes the people in your life, they can influence our thoughts, but ultimately we're the ones who get to choose if we'll continue thinking a thought or if we believe it, right? So if your boyfriend sends you flowers on your birthday, It may be easier to think wonderful thoughts about him and to love him, but you don't love him because he sent you flowers. You love him because of your thoughts about him. You're thinking things like, oh, that was so sweet or so thoughtful and he knows I love flowers and what a nice thing to do. I feel so special. And those thoughts are going to be creating feelings of love for him. But if your boyfriend doesn't send you flowers on your birthday, Can you still love him and appreciate him? Yep. Love is a feeling and it comes from your thoughts. So thinking things like, I appreciate my boyfriend and he's loving and thoughtful. Those things are going to make you feel love for him. Does that make sense? All right. If you've got that difficult person in your life and you have trouble every time you're around them, start watching your thoughts about them. Are your thoughts causing you unnecessary frustration or pain? If you don't want to feel that way, you don't have to. In some of my difficult relationships, I've had to let myself feel whatever I was feeling in the moment. And then afterwards, I've chosen to look back at how I was feeling and then respond to the person in my mind from a place of love. This really takes practice and it can be really difficult in the moment of frustration to feel love or even feel neutral about whatever's going on. It's okay for you to be human. Try to step away from judgment of yourself as you're dealing with your thoughts about this person and just be a quiet observer of your thoughts. Be curious about why this person is triggering a response in you. Then take some time when you're alone to do a thought download. Write down all of your thoughts on a piece of paper and then sort through what the neutral circumstances are and what are your dramatic thoughts surrounding this circumstance or this person. And I guarantee 90% of it is going to be drama. So something to remember is that it's not always the goal to be happy and smiling and have fun. 
Sometimes you want to feel angry or disappointed or confused. So the way to know what the appropriate feeling is, is ask yourself, is this feeling serving me? Is it helping me to act in the way that I feel is appropriate? Only you get to decide what you feel is right. You're the only one who can choose what you feel like is the right way to respond when somebody you know, says X, Y, and Z. And so if you feel like it's appropriate to get upset with your boss because they have unrealistic expectations, then you choose to feel angry. The goal here is to be aware of what we're thinking or feeling and then decide who we want to be and how we want to show up in that situation. So if you want to show up as a loving, forgiving sister, when your sister comes over to visit and she points out your terrible rug, then you need to find thoughts that are going to help you feel that way. And you can have a combination of brave and loving and confident. And you just need to do the thought work to find what thoughts are going to produce those feelings. So every difficult person is really the same. They're only difficult because of us. And most often it's because of the judgments that we have about ourselves when they're around us. And I know you want to fight back hard on that, but you always can find a way to show up as the person you want to be in any situation. And when you show up the way you feel is right and appropriate, you are likely not going to have regrets about how you interacted and how things went. We don't have to delete difficult people from our lives. In fact, we can't. Our brains will always find a way to be dramatic about people. When we manage our brains, though, we can come out on the side of peace, even when somebody else is creating conflict. Okay, thanks for listening, guys, and I will see you next time. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. For more help with specific problems, visit thoughtbosscoaching.com to sign up for a free coaching consultation to see if coaching is right for you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.